joined. Oh, cool. But today I invited quite a few people because I was so prepared. I'm thinking. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 10 of our blockchain bandwagon podcast. We've been talking so many great things about blockchain and how amazing the technology is for the last nine episodes. Today, we want to dial back and look at the challenges uh, the blockchain uh, projects are facing. I'm your host, Chuck Shekhuri. I'm an entrepreneur and a blockchain enthusiast working on a product for our data management. I'm here with my co-host, Brian Engel. Hello, Brian. Hey, Chuck. I mean, can you believe it? Episode 10. 10. It's crazy. Double digits. I love it. I'm uh, I'm Brian. I get, I'm fortunate enough to get to co-host with the uh, with the great Chuck Chikuri. And uh, you know, I've been in the staffing business for 25 plus years, putting every you know, putting all the uh, developers and all the way up to CEOs to work across the country. And uh, it's been a fun ride. And uh, this is one of my passions, blockchain. And I'm glad. Uh, Glad I get to talk about it. And over the last nine episodes, man, I've learned so much. And uh, what are we talking about today, Chuck? So we are going to talk about the challenges facing uh, blockchain projects today, right? So I know there are a lot of people doing a lot of blockchains and there are lots of challenges, uh, surprisingly. And if we were to categorize them into different categories, right, they usually fall into uh, scalability, interoperability, regulatory, security, and adoption and usability and environmental impact. What we're going to do, Brian, today, I think we want to go into detail in each of these. What is a scalability challenge? What is an interoperability challenge? And then how are people addressing this, right? What solutions are out there, third party? And I think I would love to see us discuss on what will happen to these challenges? How will blockchain evolve in the future? You know, how are right. they going to get addressed? Right. So let's start with uh, scalability, would you? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So when we say scalability, right, I think uh, it really comes under uh, the slow transaction processing times, right? The cost of more transactions because the the fees for each transaction is particularly on the public blockchain. And then there is a huge network congestion, particularly for depending on the type of uh, uh, consensus mechanism. Have. Private blockchains, on the other hand, don't have this particular limitation, but chain code or smart contract are very limited in functionality today. And also the storage capacity on a blockchain node. So those are the reasons of, uh, scalability is you know that is the scalability challenge right and depending on the type of network we need there are some scaling solutions obviously you know so that's do you agree with that assessment of a scalability challenge yeah i mean from a very high level yes i mean it's more you know scale scalability i mean it's it's a you know on the public blockchain the larger the blockchain grows the more the more vulnerable it gets, the redundancy, it has, every node has to, obviously has to have more data on every node and every device that's using in the blockchain to, to uh, get the transactions done, uh, which 
brings the speed down. And yep. um, yeah, whether it's decentralized is fantastic. Uh, but still, it, the speed needs to get up. And I know there's a lot of uh, startups that are out there trying to take care of that. And uh, you mentioned on the private blockchain that it's not not really an issue. It, it, it won't be until it gets a lot bigger, right? Until the, a company really gets into it and how many more nodes do they add and how big is their blockchains and they bring any partners in um, for that. And it's always about speed, um, speed scalability and hey, the space is gonna take up, right? So it's gonna take yep. up memory, it's gonna take up physical space. Uh, so there, yeah, there's a lot of challenges within that area. Yes. So some of the solutions around this, how are people dealing with this, right? There is a couple of ways they're dealing with it. When it comes to the size of the data, they're using something called sharding. Sharding means basically making a data into small chunks so that they can process in parallel. So more people, more transactions can go through. So sharding is one. And then they're, the other one they're doing is something called side chains. Side chains is where they offload some of the functionality to another network or, or like, you know, su separate set of nodes that are not part of the main channel. And then mm -hmm. there is a, another thing called uh, Avalanche is an example where they have uh, a small slight child chains, like subnets, but there's a big network and there is a subnet, you know, it's called a plasma technology. Mm -hmm. Right, and the subnet does a lot of the other work, so that the main net doesn't have to be bogged down to get throughput. And then there is a, something called a state channel. What happens is, right now, whenever I put in something in a node, a transaction, everybody gets to see it. But if I'm doing a private transaction between two people, it can be a state channel. Like you know, that transactions like we offload it to the side. So right. the, those two individuals making those two parties making a transaction can be outside. So that reduces the load on the main net. Right. And then that is uh, also a technique that they've been using. Right. Uh, so there is a network called Lightning Network. It's particularly specific to payment channels uh, that does that. So these are some of the common solutions. And surprisingly, there are actually uh, third-party solutions using uh, implementing these solutions mm -hmm. for this, on a subscription basis or as a platform. Polygon, Optimism, right? Bi Binance Smart Contract, right? Polkadot, particularly. So those are some of the scaling solutions that are out. You know? Yeah, there's definitely needs to be. I mean, there's you know that's really one. So of the that biggest. that's the state current state today. So what we think will happen in the next 10 years or next five years, or where, where, how will this scaling problem get addressed in more detail? Uh, it's such a great question because that's the biggest thing, right? So, I mean, just, I, I, I mean, I think it was six months or six months to a year ago, the, the, uh, the speed, I mean, again, speed may have for Bitcoin, the, the network may have sped up, but they have, you know, 4.6 transactions per second compared to a, you know, a Visa or a MasterCard that has 1,736 transactions per second. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, it's not even close in speed. Um, yes, you get the possible added layer of security and all that kind of great stuff. And, um, but the speed is, is a hindrance. And so, yeah, I think there's, 
going to be a lot of uh, a lot of companies that try to, like you said, come up with different ideas and ways to make this make transactions faster. And frankly, it just has to. You're right. There will be definitely hardware and uh, software improvements to it. But from a functionally, my my gut feeling says right. Uh, right now, a lot of the chain improvement we talked about side chains. I think there will be dedicated side chains. You know what I mean? That mm-hmm. are like only do one thing extremely well. That is useful for other people, right? And that is off-chain, dedicated side chains for off-chain transactions. And I'm also thinking right now, if you look at the main public blockchains like Ethereum, Binance, uh, smart contract or blockchain, Bitcoin network, they're so generic networks. Anybody can write any app on them. Mm-hmm. And that also makes it like very difficult to scale because it's very generic there, right? So my feeling is that there will be a specialized blockchain, like a healthcare specific blockchain, which is fine-tuned for healthcare type of blockchain. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So these are very specialized blockchains. One is just for real estate blockchain. You know what I mean? It only has real estate kind of things. Yeah, I think that like those ideas right there, I mean, go right into the, you know, interoperability, right? So um, they have to be compatible with each other, if that's the case. Because no. there's a lot of different technologies. Yes, yes. that's a great idea. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about when we talk about interoperability, because interoperability also is a current problem right now. Because the chains can't interoperate. Right? Yeah, exactly. Then there is another thing that I, this is my gut feeling, okay? Today, when we talk about scaling, or like when we, we, we do is we have a data definition, we have a data exchange definition like around EDI and all of that. Mm-hmm. But there's no such, and then we have protocols, but there is no standard transaction definition. Right. Right. We only know how people need to talk to each other, but there's no standardized definition, transaction definitions. Right. I think that will also make it more scalable. Because then more people can write more apps, you know? Sure, uh, absolutely. So that I think is what I see as makes it more scalable. The more standardization, the more scalable, more the simpler the computation, you know? Yeah, the great thing about like all these, you know, that we're going to talk about all these challenges and ideas is there's no really set thing of exactly, hey, this is how it's going to work here in the next, you know, two years. This is what's going to happen. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's uh, there's that's why there's so many companies popping up and so many ideas out there. Um, Somebody's going to be the standard. So it's uh, it's it's really an exciting time. That's why I love hearing you know your ideas and everybody's ideas of what they think is going to happen. Yes, and then the second challenge is uh, interoperability, right? Currently, blockchain networks are not interoperable with each other, right? Uh, Meaning they cannot easily communicate and exchange data. Uh, and this can limit the functionality of blockchain-based applications and prevent se- seamless integration with other systems, right? If I, if I already have uh, an ERP or a database, they're not there. So this interoperability is a problem. And people have come up with some common solutions for this. I mean, this is they've been developing blockchain for the last four or five years. 
So the, 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 the solutions that are out there are basically atomic swaps, cross-chain bridges, side chains. They set up some interoperability protocols and multi-chain applications. Interesting. Did you, I was, Chuck, I'm sorry, but, uh, so I was, yeah, I was reading up on, on these as well. And atomic swaps, can you, uh, did you read up on that? Like exactly how that works or what's, what's that about? Yeah, basically it's, uh, so think about it, right? If you have 10 nodes in a blockchain network, Mm -hmm. they're talking to each other, right? And then there are 10 other nodes in a different blockchain. Okay. Yep. Now, each of these nodes has an ability to talk to another node on another chain and conduct some kind of a transaction. Hmm. Is there any, yeah, is there any special technical side that needs to happen? Yeah, they are very complex because each node is now more complex. It needs to know. I mean, it is a, a hybrid. Right now, it's the same idea even on side chains, right? When I say side chain, uh, but it's it's basically one network talking to another network. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in a in a side chain, one is a main chain, and then the other is a like a side chain works in parallel with this chain, but mm-hmm. the nodes in this chain can talk to the nodes in that chain. Hmm. Right. So the nodes in that chain support this node, right, for scale and all of that. Right. But in atomic swaps, those are that's also an independent chain doing its own stuff. Okay. No, this, it makes sense. This, yeah, this, this network is also so it's a little bit more complex, right? When when one chain is a subs, like a child of another node or it's working in conjunction with another chain, the communication is easier. But if mm-hmm. they're both chains are doing independent and now you have to have atomic swap <laughs> you know what i mean at an individual <laughs> level right yep. it, it becomes harder right so they are very difficult to uh, program and uh, things like that right and yep. so that is uh, and then there are so th- think about it it's when you say interoperability it can be between two chains and and a, and a non-chain system, you know what I mean? Right. Like a regular system, right? So side chains and atomic chains are very similar, but the role of the chains is different, hmm. right? Two independent chains is atomic swap. Side chain is a puppy chain or a child chain that is serving this for scalability. Cross-chain bridges are basically some other software that sits in between that talks to both chains to help facilitate the communication between the two chains, mm-hmm. right? Now, those are existing one. And now there are more and more chains want to talk. Let's say if I have two chains talking to each other, I can put a bridge between them, mm-hmm. right? Or I can make an atomic swap or a side chain system. But what if many chains want to talk to each other? Right, exactly. To, to individually, right? To interoperate with each other then you need like some kind of a rules, right? Okay, this is how we are going to exchange information. This is how we are going to exchange assets. This is how we are going to exchange contracts, right? Or this is how we're going to support functionality. Those are interoperable, 
and those are very hard to define mm-hmm. right so those are the interoperability protocols that are there that is basically they're setting up some standards for communication between networks and mm-hmm. non network nodes right right then let's say even a simpler solution forget the nets don't talk to each other but i have an application that talks to all the networks right then that is a multi chain application right so a multi chain application can sit on top and i can get my job done because i need to work with three or four chains so most of our uh, currency exchanges are multi chain applications oh okay so i i buy bitcoin from this network and i go sell it on ethereum network mm-hmm. right and i have a, some kind of convergence so i store the, that's what they do right exchanges hmm. those are multi chain applications right hmm. so i have a feeling that because these other things are so complex multi chain applications will be there in the short term right and then we'll have dedicated side chains you know so then we get that's where my feeling is where it will go hmm. because i know there is a interoperability protocols and atomic swaps i personally won't work on them they're too complex they can change because i there's no quick roi for them sure okay if makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense i mean it's, yeah there's just yeah the, the thing i see too is there's you know a lot of languages out there as well the programming languages and and uh hey yeah. what, what site use what and what's compatible with what and yeah this is all uh like i said right you know, now there are only two major i mean if you're using a platform like hyperledger right you can pretty much write in a lot of different languages the smart contract code it gets converted into chain code but if you are using ethereum you have to write it in solidity right so those are the but th- that is on chain language right but i still there are no real solutions for universal language for communication that's the interoperability protocols right now we covered two of the six let's go so that the third most important uh challenge i think is the regulatory you know what was surprise brian there was a lot of work done already on the fintech side mm-hmm. right so there is no regulatory framework established on blockchains however there are already laws companies have to comply with you know in the financial sector right and one of the challenges to implement a framework on blockchain is because of the different jurisdictions you know right. uh, that are there and there is no standard way for implementing a framework uh, and healthcare compliance healthcare regulations is not even a blimp on the radar for blockchain yet right. more and more people will start doing that right uh, but the four main regulatory challenges that people are already having to deal with are know your customer and anti money laundering compliance right so mm-hmm. this there are several third party 
solutions to do KYC and AML, mm -hmm. like, you know, verify identity AML. And then the other uh, regulatory compliance is data privacy, right? Security, right. authentication. There are also so many third-party tools. It will be surprised how many of them are there just to validate and all of that, right? Uh, Securities regulation, right? How are stocks and assets transferred? Who owns what? When are they trading for securities exchange, you know, SEC? And right. who is doing any insider trading? All of that can be audited today on blockchain. Right. And they have that. And then particularly around taxation, how much interest you're earning on your cryptocurrencies? What are your capital gains tax? All of that is kindly reported right now mm -hmm. and there are so many tools right okay uh, i think over time we'll see more compliance in various industries other than financial right particularly in in logistics uh if a product is shipped from brazil to us did it pass through customs Yes. Right. I when was it passed through customs? Who checked? Right. Who verified? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And there's the problem of, yes, smart contracts and, um, you know, they're drawn up and, you know, hey, binding, but not all countries see that as in a binding agreement. And so, hey, what happens when somebody doesn't live up to their expectations as seen in a smart contract, but, you know, funds were either paid out or something was, you know, didn't happen correctly or what. Now they wanted to, you know, hey, need some legal action, legal recourse. It's pretty, it's pretty gray area right now. So that's another area that, hey, there would be a, again, I'm all about decentralization and having, you know, power, you know, I, you know quote, power back to the people and all, but that's all obviously a, a really big area. Yep. No, you're right. But that type of compliance will also come, I think, very quickly. And also HIPAA, uh, Medicare, Medicare payments, which are prone to FWF, fraud, waste, and abuse. Right. Right. So all of that, I think, is coming in the next five years. Yep. I right? agree. A lot of that. Right now, fintech is pretty ahead, but we'll still have those challenges for a long time to come. For sure. In different industries. Right. And then the fourth uh, security challenge Right. When we say security challenge, when I was reading up on this, we know blockchain is secure. Right. But it's not immune to attacks. For sure. It's similar. To, it's, it's just like any other software tech, software network. Right. That can be attacked. Right. So many security risks for blockchain are similar to the software products on the Internet. Like we need to have multi-factor authentication. We need to do uh, denial of service simulations. We have to do penetration tests. You know, the things we do on a website today, right? We have to do the same. However, for blockchain, I think we need uh, an additional check to ensure the smart contract code is not doing anything dubious, right? Particularly in FTX, they, they put in some hooks, backdoors, they call them. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, there's just as a, 
when we think of blockchain, we always like to, you know, a lot of the things, you know, hey, it's unhackable. You can't change it. You can't change the data. Well, well, well that's mostly it's 99.99% true. Um, you know, your your future of the, on the blockchain is only 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 as secure as your weakest link, right? It's kind of the same thing in your own network. You're only secure as your weakest person. Mm-hmm. And if somebody grabs, you know, hey, grabs a, a key or, or hacks into your computer and understands how to get in and, and start making transactions and start putting it, there could be fraudulent mm-hmm. transactions that get approved. So and again, the- Yeah, and then again, that goes back to, um, yeah, that's the security side, but that's also compliance side. So what happens when a fraudulent transaction does get approved? How does that get revoked? You know, does a mm-hmm. smart contract, how does that hold up in court? And, you know, hey, this is all this is all uh, intertwined. Yeah, so, so blockchain, we, we have to be very careful about smart contracts not being hackable, not, you know, they're written correctly. They need to be auditing. So those are the additional things. And... What I learned, Brian, is there are already so many existing solutions for security. Like there are three that come to mind, which is a company called Chain Security. Mm-hmm. They do security audits. They do smart contract analysis. And right. they use manual and automated techniques to identify security risks. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of manual stuff they do. And 30K is another company that does vulnerability scanning, see if what ports are open, what networks, what nodes. If you have one node, like you said, that is screwed up, not hardened, that can mess up the whole blockchain network. Right. Right. Uh, And then they use actually machine learning and formal verification techniques to identify security vulnerabilities. And then there is another company called Hosho, which is very similar to chain security. Basically, they all do security audits smart contract analysis, you know, hmm. right. uh, whether it's manually. Any project manager who is doing blockchain today in any company, they should be thinking of security early, you know? Yeah, well, early and often, right? So early and often, it's, yes. Right. It's one of those things where, right, so it's only as, as blockchain grows in popularity and more companies adapt it, uh, adapt, go on to it um, and adapt it in their company. Uh, you know, Hey, ransomwares are going to go up scams financing for, you know, Hey, various other nefarious activities. Um, you know, that went up from, you know, 79% from last year alone, you know, $14 billion. Um, you know, there's, you know, all those stories of cryptocurrencies getting hacked, you know, the crypto markets getting hacked, um, and, and money taken out of people's wallets because one little thing was wrong in a smart contract that uh, hackers could take advantage of. And that's what they're looking for. So that's why security is of utmost importance. I, I remember 20 years ago when I was doing SOX compliance, you know, when it first came, we were basically auditing every computer, every database to yeah, see, make right. sure all the passwords are set. Uh, and and then in the last 20 years, we did so much for uh, the security personnel, like every company has a CISO, chief information security officer, mm-hmm. all of that today, right? They have like a lot of certification programs. I need to check this. Do they have something for blockchain that, that those security organizations, I wonder if they still have any kind of a 
blockchain security certification? Huh. I don't know. That's a good question. Right? But what I'm seeing where we will go with security is we're still in the early stages where better understanding of cryptographic keys by the general users. Remember, people, we still make jokes of people writing their passwords on their computer or sticking it on there. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, hey, I, 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 I just took... I have my notes right here. Exactly. All my passwords sitting right here. <laughs> yeah. No, but because in a, only this week, you know, I was asked to take a, a security certification. Like, you know, every year, the companies you work for, they, they go through this process, security awareness. Right? Mm-hmm. What is phishing? What is phishing is bad. Sure. You know, don't store your password. Your password has to be this long. You should have, a, I mean, we have so many, so much mass education we do for employees in companies. Right. Right. And we are so far away on the blockchain size, right? The private key, public key, a lot of people don't understand. Right. Uh, the account. So this will take some time. I think that is the f- first step that has to happen. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know you mentioned a couple of good companies there that's that's doing the audits and constantly checking in smart contracts for vulnerabilities and flaws. I think that's the utmost importance to have experts involved when you're when you're especially when you're early on in adopting blockchain technology to your uh, company, um, or if you decide to you know hey jump on whether it's a public or private, it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. It's, it's really, you need to partner with an expert. Yeah. And then another challenge for security right now is today, when I go onto my Google Chrome, right? I go onto a website. My password is auto-generated by the browser into some strong password. And it stores into the browser and puts it in whenever I go to my bank or wherever, right? Mm-hmm. But more... Web3 doesn't have that. It is in a plugin called MetaMask or Trust Wallet or something. Hmm, okay. Right? Now, I know it is still in my... It's not well integrated, right? How many people know how to put a extension to manage that and then the extension keeps popping huh. up every time you go to a site? Do you confirm this transaction? <laughs> right, exactly. Right? So, when your mobile app also has a MetaMask wallet that will ask you that. Hmm. But I think the security will improve where my face is recognized as my private key. You know what I mean? Right, right. Then then I don't have to deal with all of that and it's already secure. Right. Right. So I think once the security is uh, integrated into the OS with biometric authentication, I think it's a lot more easier for people and a lot more secure. Sure. Right. That that's that's where I think we are heading, because I know a friend of mine, uh, he's doing telehealth mm-hmm. with blockchain. And they're using biometric to identify a provider. Oh, cool. That's Remember, <laughs> this is funny. A couple of years ago, you know this in recruitment, right? Mm-hmm. You schedule somebody for an interview. Somebody else takes the call. Oh, yeah. There you go. Exactly. Right? Telehealth is like you schedule a doctor, somebody else comes up. I'm going to doctor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly. far you know, more dangerous 
then. <laughs> hey, as long as you have on a white coat, Chuck, I think you're a doctor. Exactly. <laughs> right. So those kind of things, uh, they really need to put biometric, you know? Yes, okay. it makes sense. Yeah. So th I think that all that will count, you know? Then the yeah, last two challenges we have is adoption and usability. Right. I think this is, the, yeah, we, yeah, we saw a lot of things up to here, but the, here's here's the big thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Because people still, like I was mentioning earlier, managing private keys, it goes with security, right? They don't even understand how to manage accounts on different, you know? Right. Because we still don't understand a lot of authentication that happens on Web2, right? Sign in with Google, sign in with Facebook, sign in with so-and-so. Right. Everybody requires a sign in a central location. So I think a lot of that needs to be automated, transparent for the user. You know, the network yeah. should know if they, my camera sees my face, they know it's me and keep it secure that way without me having to tell everything, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and how will adoption and usability improve, right? Right now, there is no access to Web3, right? So they're, they're building up with uh, Web3. Have you heard of the Bla Blaze browser? I have Brave. not. Brave. Brave browser. No. So Brave is a Web3 browser, right? So right now, I give a URL on my Web2 browser, whether it's a google.com or a yahoo.com, and I go there, right? That's a centralized server. But if I'm using a Brave browser, right, and it, the results come from any node that has the data, huh. right? And it's blazingly fast. You should try it. Brave.com. Yeah, that's what I, I, uh, I, I have heard of it a little. I, again, I, I know enough, just enough to be dangerous with it. So, uh, yeah. no, it's definitely something I, I want to, yeah. to understand. And, and as these browsers, because the adoptability, adoption and usability challenge, I think it will be addressed by the Web3 browsers, right? Because one of the things is they will have built-in support for wallets, mm -hmm. unlike a MetaMask in a Google Chrome or something, right? right? And then they are anonymous unless you're doing a transaction. Right. Yep. Right. So if you're going to some sites and you don't want to know right now, I don't know how what sec like reliable is incognito mode. You know, when you say yep. use as a private browser, it only <laughs> right. doesn't store the thing, but it's still not. Who says it is? Right. Is that yeah. you don't know? Yeah. Right? Exactly. It's not private. So this anonymous. It's so fast, I was surprised because uh, the data comes from multiple nodes rather than one Google server, my list. Right. Right. So th right. that is blazingly fast. And then I heard there is a, a, a new browser that is coming up. Right. That is called, uh, what, what was that? Uh, Carbon Web3 browser. Oh, okay. 
right? It, it is like a newer, first newer browser. I, I don't. I think it's coming up sometime this year. Carbon browser, which is a little yeah. bit more advanced, right? Uh, so those things, once they become popular. Yeah, you know, the, the big, yeah, I think even more than, um, there, I mean, there's awesome technology and cool stuff. And I think that's why we, we see all the future of all this happening and, and privacy and, and stuff back in your hands. But when you, you know, hey, to the average person, when I say, hey, tell me about the blockchain, what's, what's that all about? They're like, oh, it's for fraud, it's for criminal activity, it's for crypto only. Um, you know, there's there's no use for me on it, right? And so it's got to overcome that first, I think, I believe, for it to be mass adopted. You're 100% correct. Because if if when I when I go my ask my wife and son, what is Web3? If they just say, oh, that's Carbon Browser rather than Chrome Browser. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. If when when it comes becomes that simple, right? But right now the 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 challenge is if I use a Brave browser and I search for something, if I search for Ukraine war, most of the links that are coming are for Web two or web servers. Oh right, yeah. Because right. the Web three or doesn't have the content yet. Correct. Right. So yeah, most of the content is on Web two o. Right. It's just yeah. I, I, the the quote man on the street has to has to be able it's got to be easy to understand i mean for like like this right we started this because we are enthusiastic about bitcoin about uh blockchain technologies about you know hey what's going to happen in the future of web3 uh what's you know, what's upcoming we are enthusiastic about it so we dive into it and then want to understand it well it takes people diving into it to want to understand it to understand it it's not very easy concept, you know, right to understand off the bat. So that's, I think that's a huge, a huge thing to overcome is, hey, it's not just for criminal activity. It's not just for the dark web. Here's what it's for. You know, here's who the companies are using, right? We didn't even know a lot of the companies that were using this type of technology um, to better everybody's, to better everybody's lives. And until we started diving in and it's like, wow, this is pretty neat. But that's got to be something that, hey, it's really easy to understand. And it's easy, like you said, easy to use as well. Very easy to use. You're right. And another thing I noticed right now, if I, let's say I want to watch a YouTube video, right? And if I go through a regular browser, it streams all of the video from YouTube servers. Right. right? But if I go to a Brave browser, right? And if that is a popular video, okay? what happens is parts of that video are in a bunch of nodes. Mm -hmm. The one that is closest to me, I get the data. So a YouTube video is so much faster. It's very interesting. On a browse browser, right. uh, on a Brave browser than on my regular Chrome browser. Because yes. Brave can now get the data from so many nodes. Right. Chrome will only get the data from YouTube servers. Correct. Right. So my, my notes have, doesn't have to be as fast. If it's a popular video, it's so much faster because most of it is on so many other places. And yep. I think that will make adoption more, you know, when people discover that, oh, I can see my videos faster. Yeah. Oh, particularly sure. the popular ones, right? right. Particularly because web two has a problem, right? If there is a, even Twitter, if you see a lot of people going at it, 
it becomes slow. Mm -hmm. Right? If, a, if there is a popular video, everybody wants to say it, it becomes slow. Right. You know? So I, when people see that, I think adoption will be there. Hey, I see a couple of listeners. I want to see if they want to say something. John and Shiva, thanks for joining the call. I'm going to invite both of you to speak or join the caller queue. Love to hear what you guys think of adoption and usability. You guys want to join? Hi, Shiva. It's a good topic to discuss on all things here. What do you think of adoption? When do you think people will more adopt Web3? Because right now that's a challenge. Yeah. But also this is one more challenge is about infrastructure and cost. Mining for Bitcoin is way expensive compared to centralized network. So that is also a challenge. Uh, <clears throat> That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, we did discuss scalability as a challenge. Yeah, that's a good question. Brian, is, is uh, cost, uh, I guess, replacing existing systems and investments may be a challenge, right? Well, it depends. So, right. So mining is, is your reward, right. For completing a transaction for whatever, whatever system you're on. Uh, so yes, as, as more people. So that's kind of the next topic there that, that really the environmental impact, how a transaction is done. Right. So that's why it takes up a lot of energy and as networks grow, um, and as people, as as Bitcoin or as any crypto goes up, more people want in, thus creating more more uh, servers uh, to mine that data so they can get that reward, right? So when Bitcoin's at eight thousand, uh, it might not be the best, but when it's sixty four thousand and it's going up, it's it's excellent to go in and mine that, right? And no, it takes I, a I, you, you, you're you're right, but I think from if I uh... The, another challenge that that I think Shiva is addressing is also where right now on the web, the cost is borne by the centralized server, like Google is bearing the cost for the servers, right? Mm -hmm. If I want to post a YouTube video, I don't, Google is paying for it, my video, cost of my video, right? In blockchain, I have to somehow monetize it, right? I, who's paying for that? Like, I'm not running the node. If I want to use a public blockchain to store a four gigabyte of video, right? They're charging me for it right now. It's hmm. interesting. Right? Yeah, right. so if I have a DTube is an app, which is similar to YouTube. Right. For watching it is free, okay? For a content creator, right, right. I put in my video, a, a great video that I make onto YouTube. It's free, but Google is making money by ads and giving me some of that. Hmm. Yeah. Now, in DTube, the model is different. I have to pay upfront for my video. Right. Yes. 
all the monetization is mine. Right? If I get more ads, absolutely, I can control how much money well, I can it's make. It's also a ad. huge opportunity as well. Right? So that can be a barrier to entry for some. Right? That would right. be a challenge. See, the most people that are out there right now, luckily, are people who are already making money off of YouTube. Right? They have their YouTube oh, right. yeah, exactly. their income coming in. Now they, they don't mind paying for their content on YouTube. Because they know that's a good content. It's already making money for them. Right? So that's going to be interesting. I wonder, that's a good point, Shiva. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next question is, uh, the last challenge we have just want to summarize the challenges we discussed so far. We discussed scalability. We discussed interoperability. We discussed the regulatory challenges. We talked about security challenges. We talked, well, I think talked I about adoption. Talked about, right? the, uh, the energy that's consumed the final for, because of the proof of work, right? Proof environmental of work is impact. a big issue, right? Now, what is environmental And that's what we love about blockchain, the proof of work, but that also is, it takes so, a lot of energy. Yeah, the proof of yes. Yeah, and I think uh, the solutions that they are putting it is I think some Ethereum and mm -hmm. already went into proof of stake. Right. Right. Uh, another thing that they could do and they're trying to do is. Uh, they call green mining or use of renewable right. renewable energies for supporting it, right? So, and then offloading some of the off work to off-chain. Yeah, and I know instead like, of you know, moved their you know, operations the to Iceland or Greenland, and they moved operations to you know, some of the largest right. out there. And, that would also, and, uh, you know, yeah, but all the, uh, reduce the impact. Right, so as, as a, I, as people add nodes, as you get on there, you know, I can get on there and I can, I can mine Bitcoin myself, right? We get on there. That's just another, yeah, another node. That's that what has they're to doing be, most uh, of the mining today. That has to be used energy, right? Yep. You know, I. this is my gut. I'm going to go off the limb here and say that my gut feeling is, even in my project, right now for master data management, we are doing so much computation to clean up the data, right? And I believe with blockchain, we're going to reduce the amount of computation needed. Like even for, uh, we're reducing the total amount of compute necessary to do business transactions. And which will actually reduce the environmental impact because our total processing needs 
will be more efficient. You know? Yeah, that's the way what, what do you think, Shiva? True, that will add up more. Uh, yeah, that's it. Right now, the environmental impact that is a little bit challenge for uh, going for the blockchain and financial or other mining uh, process. Uh, yeah, that will definitely help us help in the blockchain technology. And that's why, if you see, if you see, this blockchain is not directly, even though some of the countries like. Uh, Africa or some middle developing countries still not fully explored and utilizing this because of cost effective and environmental impact. Very nice. So I think we've discussed all of the challenges that we set out to do. We're going to open up for some questions. Uh, John, if you want to ask any question, have any questions, love to hear from you. Okay. Uh, anyways, uh, I think we covered all of the things. We no, I think all these, you know, I think all these uh, things we talked about, although they're all challenges, they're all huge opportunities. And, and with each one of these, there's, uh, there's companies out there trying to solve the problem. And, and, uh, Oh, you know what? One of the things you mentioned, is the talent. Yeah, I mean, it's all brand That's new, right? A lot of it's, uh, it's brand new spaces and, and companies that... Right. How, how are opportunities Right, so that's a, for, it's a growing uh, space. Anyways, uh, we lost Brian. Thanks, uh, Shiva and John. Uh, so it's been a great uh, chat. Uh, thank you very much. And with that, we'll see you next week.